Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. If you have a Bible, please open it to Luke chapter 9. This past month, we've been looking at Jesus Christ and different roles and functions that he had in our lives. We started out the first Sunday of April with Christ the Mediator, and then the next Sunday was Palm Sunday, and we looked at Christ triumphant, and we talked about his coming into the city and the what they call the triumphal entry, and then on Good Friday, we looked at Christ crucified, and we talked about the crucifixion and why it was necessary and the price that he paid for our salvation. Every sin that you and I ever commit, he suffered for on the cross. And that should sober us when we're tempted to not give in. But And then uh, last Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, we looked at Christ arose. And what awesome. Now, every Sunday we celebrate the risen Savior, but especially last Sunday we really focused on it. And now today we're going to conclude this short series, but we're going to turn it around and we're going to look at Christ followers. Christ followers. Uh, people like you and me who have decided to follow Jesus. So if we were to go out on the street today and we were to ask people, hey, what does it look like to follow Jesus? Uh, probably you'd hear some things like, well, being kind and helping other people, that's very important, and loving everybody, and, you know, maybe some long beard, long haired guy would say, peace, baby, that's, that's what it's like to follow Jesus. But, uh, but then if you ask church people, well, what's it like to follow Jesus? Well, sometimes they get a little bit better answer. They say things like going to church, being a disciple, spending time in prayer, being generous, all of those are good things having self-discipline, seeking to follow God's will. All of those are good things, That none of those are bad things. But when you ask Jesus, what does it mean to follow you? You get a slightly different answer. Not only do you get a different answer, but you get the right answer. Because Jesus tells it exactly like it is. So in Luke chapter 9, Jesus tells us, what does it look like to be a follower of him? Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, in Luke, this comes directly after Jesus saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Jesus was facing the cross, and then he said, now, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross. I actually read about a guy who has been crucified multiple times um, as his 
following Christ, every year he gets crucified. He gets nailed to a cross for a little bit. Uh, and every year he does that. And I have no idea why. I don't think that makes him more spiritual or closer to Christ. Uh, and he certainly didn't suffer anywhere near what Christ suffered on the cross. Because the physical suffering, as horrific as it was, that was the easy part. It was the spiritual suffering when he bore our sins on himself on the cross and the punishment for those sins. But Jesus didn't say, if you want to be my disciple, then you got to be crucified like I was. He said, you have to take up your cross. So we're going to look this morning at what it means to be a Christ follower, and we're going to use the very words of Jesus. First of all, what do you have to do? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Now, this doesn't mean that you look in the mirror and say, who are you? If that happens, you need help, okay? It could happen. It happens to some people. But this doesn't mean that you intentionally make your life miserable. Like yesterday, the men's thing, John had fixed some great brisket and pulled pork and a roast, and uh, Brandon had fixed some really good um, cornbread. And, and I couldn't have the jalapeno cornbread, but I understood that it was really good. And, and he had some honey butter, whipped butter, and some regular whipped butter. It was good stuff. And, and so it doesn't mean when you come there to the bro brunch, you're going to sit down and there's going to be meat and stuff. And you say, well, today all I get is a piece of toast because I'm denying myself. You know, nobody walked in yesterday morning and said, today I'm fasting. Fasting's a good thing. Getting attention for your fasting, really bad thing. So what... What does it mean to deny yourself? Well, it will involve self-discipline and sacrifice. See, our bodies like stuff that's not good for us. That's true when it comes to eating. My mouth loves the taste of donuts. My diabetes doesn't get along with donuts very well. Haven't had one in years and years. So you have to deny yourself. Sometimes there's things that your body wants. Your body wants to sleep in, but you know it's time to get up and go to church. Your body wants to physically indulge in eating stuff you shouldn't or drinking stuff you shouldn't or simply overeating stuff that's good for you. And, and you deny yourself. Uh, your body wants to just relax and have fun and enjoy. And Jesus said, get up and serve and do. And so deny yourself. It's going to involve self-discipline and it's going to involve some sacrifice. So financially, Instead of planning for a bigger, fancier vacation, I'm all in favor of vacations. I think it's healthy for you to take a vacation. Uh, but if the Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to spend that money, I, that way I want you to do it over here, and you say, no, I re I'd really rather take the, the vacation. You know, the vacation I've always wanted to do 
was to go up in a space shuttle into outer space. And I just haven't found 20 million laying around that I could spend that way. You know, I think if I put in a GoFundMe there, I might get 50 bucks, but uh, can't imagine getting 20 million. But, but deny yourself. Now, we got some folks who are leaving tomorrow and Tuesday, going on vacations, big cruise. It sounds fun. But if the Holy Spirit, when they were planning that and they're about to pay for it, and the Holy Spirit says, you need to give here. Now, then you follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I'm not against having comfortable cars or comfortable houses. I love my recliner chair. Thought about bringing it here, you know, having another one up front. Yeah, um, but <laughs> there was a church where they put recliner chairs on the front row, and the pastor said, man, everybody fights to get in the front row now. <laughs> but, but the truth is, your body wants to take the easy way the comfortable way. That's what we're inclined toward. And Jesus said, no, the straight way, the difficult way, the narrow way. And so uh, denying yourself, it doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. The Bible actually encourages you to eat healthily, take care of yourself. Jesus even instructed his disciples to get the rest they needed. When they were so busy, he said, we need to come apart. Somebody said they had to come apart before they came apart, right? Uh, you need to come apart and rest. So the Lord isn't against rest, but deny yourself means there's sacrifice involved, there's self-discipline involved, and sometimes it will include rejection. Some people will not understand you, and you have to be willing to endure rejection. I remember before God led us here, Kathy and I were, um, I'd preached at a church in Georgia and there were people who were absolutely convinced that it was God's plan for us to go to Georgia, except for Kathy and I. As we prayed about it, we felt God's lead, and some people were really critical that we didn't go there because that was God's leading in our lives. You know, a lot of people think they know what's best for you. You answer directly to the Lord and you need to follow him. Now, that doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want. Sometimes the Lord may say, I want you to be a missionary to Botswana, wherever that is. Uh, but, but you follow the Lord's leading, and you deny yourself, and you be willing to, do, uh, to endure misunderstanding, and some good people might disagree. You follow the Lord. The second part, he said, deny yourself, then what? Take up your cross. Take up your cross. At the very end of the Gospel of John, Jesus told Peter about the difficult death that Peter was going to die. And he described it for him. Do you remember what Peter's reaction was after Jesus told Peter how he was going to suffer and die? Then what did Peter say? What about John? What about John? You know, I'm going to suffer like this. What about him? And Jesus then asked Peter a question. What is that to you? You follow me. 
See, take up your cross. Don't expect God to work the exact same way in your life as he worked in everybody else's life. It, it's very annoying. You, there's all kinds of books being sold and seminars being held by people if they've been successful in this area. And so they're telling you, if you do it exactly like this, you're going to be exactly successful like me. And I went to a pastor's conference before I was a pastor. And the, the leader of that pastor's conference, you need to do this and this and this and this and this. And it, and it was the model that he had used for his ministry. But I actually found that some of what he did, I didn't think lined up with Scripture. So I wasn't going to follow that. Some other guys maybe did. I don't know. But I knew that it wouldn't work for me. And just because it works somewhere doesn't mean it works everywhere. In fact, when... Uh, when I was pastoring in Fort Worth right before we came here, we had a church fellowship supper on a Friday night. Every single man in the church was wearing a suit and tie. And then I came here and we had a church fellowship supper. How many guys do you think were wearing a suit and tie for the fellowship supper? None. <laughs> None were. No? And why? Well, it's a different culture. And it, every church is unique. Every person is unique. Your cross is going to be your task. He might call you to a life of great sacrifice while the other, other people have a life of ease. Take up your cross. Now, a couple things about that cross that you're supposed to take up. One is, it will fit you. When Jesus was describing the yoke that he wanted you to take up, take my yoke upon you, how did he describe that yoke? Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is, it's, it's easy or it's light. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, did that seem easy or light? It was for Paul. Paul said, this is what I need to do. The, the, the burden of Jeremiah, he had to speak up when no one was listening. He had to preach and he said, I tried to hold it in and I just couldn't. I had to let the word of God out. So it's, it's light for you. We have differing abilities, differing skills, differing gifts. And sometimes you're not even going to recognize your own spiritual gifts until you start serving the Lord. And then you see the gifts. And then you see how they're used. And, and then you minister for Christ. Your cross is going to fit you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. In your life, that works for you. Now, I, I know a lot of people in America, the number one fear in America is not death. The number one fear is public speaking. I don't understand that. But I was, when I was a kid, I had a fear of public speaking. I, I remember being terrified in junior high that I had to give a speech in front of the class. And my mom said, when I surrendered to preach, I went from not being able to speak up to not being able to shut up. Not sure how accurate that was, but 
she's with the Lord, so she knows better now, right? But, but you know what? If, if you have that fear and God calls you to do it, he'll help you overcome that fear. Some people have a fear of heights. Some people, we have differing fears. But if God calls you to do something, he'll help you overcome that fear. It will be easy for you when you start following him. So taking up your cross is unique to you. So even though we're all here in the same church, there's no two people in this church who have the same personality, the same skill set, the same spiritual gifting, the same leading of the Lord in their life every day. Uh, We may share residences. We may share jobs. Some of the people in here work at jobs with other people in here. But it's unique to each person. The cross that God has for you is for you. And so when you start trying to compare with other people like Peter tried to do, okay, I'm willing to suffer that for you, Lord, but how bad is John going to have to suffer? You know, Peter wanted to make up for John outrunning him to the tomb, I think. But it's unique to you. Secondly, your cross is unique to your time and place. It's unique to your time and place. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. The cross of Jesus was prepared before God spoke creation into existence. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before God said, let there be light, he'd already planned the cross. But when the fullness of time was come. See, sometimes it's unique to a time and a place. And God's calling in your life. Uh, I've known missionaries who went to a specific country and then for some reason or other that country shut down or they weren't allowed to continue in that country and then they went to a different country. Well, did God mess up the first time? No. He had them there for a time and a place. And then he moved them to another place at another time. So it, it's unique to the time and place. And, and you are absolutely under his authority. He determines your cross. So how old was John the Baptist when he died? Not the exact year, but approximate. Early 30s, right? Early 30s. He was Related to Jesus, he was six months older than Jesus. In his early 30s, he passed away. He he was murdered. How old was John the Beloved when he died? Probably in his mid to late 90s. So did that mean he was more righteous? Well, Jesus said there was no man who'd risen on earth that was greater than John the Baptist. God decreed that John the Baptist's time would be short and John the Beloved's time would be longer. God is in charge. When Paul desired to go to Asia, the Holy Spirit forbade him. And where did Paul end up going? To Macedonia. 
You heard the Macedonian call, and they went to Macedonia. And then later on, Paul had the opportunity to minister in Asia. Why didn't God let him go there the first time? God's in charge. Doesn't have to explain himself. That calling your, your cross is unique to a time and place. And Philip was preaching and having amazing results in Samaria. It was a great revival. Thousands were coming to Christ. Philip was being used greatly as he preached. And then God said, Philip, I want you to go somewhere else. And Philip had to go on a journey across the desert to a road on the way to Gaza and talk to one person. Thousands are coming to Christ up here, and God sent them down there to talk to one person. And yet, that one person trusted Christ as Savior, and John had the opportunity to baptize him. And he went back to Ethiopia, that's where he was from. And you know, centuries later, there was a strong church in Ethiopia that probably got started by that guy that Philip led to the Lord. Kathy and I were serving the Lord in another community a thousand miles away in a foreign country called Texas. And, and uh, God clearly moved through impressions in our hearts and through circumstance to lead us here. And we knew it was his leading. It was his plan for us to be there, and then it was his plan for us to be here. Hopefully my next move will be heaven, but we'll see. The Lord's in charge, right? He directs, we follow. Take up your cross. And then somebody said the next word, take up your cross. What's it say here? Daily. Take up your cross daily. Daily. Now for Jesus, he took up his cross once. It was horrific. It was awful. It was a day we can't even imagine the horrors of what he suffered. But you and I take up our cross every day. It requires daily attention. You are in church today as part of following Jesus. What, what you do tomorrow morning is going to be just as important as what you did this morning. But how many of you are planning to be here tomorrow morning? Just a couple of folks. Most of you won't be. Is that because the most spiritual ones will be here? I think so. No. No, I don't. It's because you have a different calling of God, a different time and a different place as you're serving Him. So when Ed's here on Sunday morning serving here, and he's here, that's... That's part of God's calling in his life. But tomorrow morning, he is not going to be Ed the dude. He's going to be Dr. Ed. Well, <laughs> he, he's going to be dealing with patients, and he's going to be helping people who have lots of problems. Nobody goes to see a doctor when they're feeling good. You know, they go when there's problems, and he deals with a lot of diabetics with foot problems and Diabetics with foot problems usually put it off till it's really bad, and then he gets to try and fix that. Good luck, Ed. <laughs> he does a great job with it. But you know what? 
That's his job. Tomorrow, I mean today, Tim Martinez is here. He's one of our trustees. He helps fix all kinds of stuff for the church, and, and he serves faithfully here, and he's a blessing here. But tomorrow, where's he going to be serving? At work, a different job, a different place. So take up your cross daily. It, in our situation, our daily stuff is different. Some of you have a different pattern every day. But some of you have a Monday through Friday thing. You have a work schedule and then a non-work schedule. Some of you are retired and the only time you remember it's Sunday is because your phone reminds you that you have an appointment today to go to church. But, uh, but you know what? Uh, you have a cross to take up every day. Your cross is much easier than the Lord had. But it's a daily pursuit. Take up your cross daily. And then what does he say? Follow me. Follow me. I had a friend that I led to the Lord. And then he got a little messed up with some substance abuse that was messing with his life and he made some really poor choices in his life and and then he got serious about following God again and and he came and he met with me and we talked and we prayed together and and he was just so excited to be back on track about following the Lord and he said and now now I just got to figure out what's God's mission for me What's his mission for me? And what do I need to do with my life to follow him? And he was just this hyper focus on this. Well, let me give you some counsel from God's word, from the mouth of Jesus. You don't have to obsess about finding your mission. You have to follow Jesus. Follow him. And so following Jesus becomes more predictable. You can think about, well, what would Jesus want me to do? Not what would Jesus do if Jesus were here. You know, I was at a preaching thing and, and they were saying, well, what would Jesus, what kind of car would Jesus drive? You know, and the guy who was leading was trying to imply that you should all drive something that has extremely high gas mileage and, and you know, that's to protect the environment. What kind of car would Jesus drive? And I said, a big Harley. Yeah. You know? and, and then another guy said, no, no, no. He'd have a massive SUV filled with all of his disciples cruising down the road. And the guy who was leading is like, no. He wanted us to agree with him, and we just didn't. So following Jesus isn't trying to say, what would Jesus do if he were here right now? But what would Jesus want me to do? Because I'm following him right now, in these circumstances, in this time, in this place. What does he want me to do? See, you always lead, or your cross always leads you to follow his footsteps. You don't need to pray and meditate and fast to find your mission. You just simply follow Jesus. He'll direct you in the right paths. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 5 or Proverbs 3 verse 6. 
the American psyche focuses on certain things. We have, what are they? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the American psyche. But the spiritual truth is, if you pursue happiness, you'll never actually find it. The pursuit of happiness is empty. Even if you find it short-term, it'll be short-term. You won't be able to keep it. But if you pursue Jesus, joy will naturally follow. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. There's others. The fruit of the Spirit is characterized by nine things, love, joy, peace being the first three. But joy comes as the fruit of the Spirit. So as you follow the Lord, as you follow the Spirit, joy comes. If you chase after joy, then you're going to be chasing after what's the next cool thing I can do? What's the next cool thing I can do? You won't be denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. You'll be trying to seek out pleasures. There's a book written in the Bible by a guy who gave his life to seek out pleasure. And he tried pleasure of all kinds of stuff. He tried substances. He tried eating. He tried music. He tried sexual liaisons. And he found it all unsatisfying. His name was Solomon. The book he wrote is called Ecclesiastes. And Solomon said, I looked at all the stuff that I had done and tried to enjoy. And I found it all empty and pointless. And he gets all the way down to the end of that book and he sums it up by saying this, here's the whole duty of man, fear God and keep his commandments. We follow God. When we try and follow pleasure, we try and follow joy, we try and pursue happiness, we're going on the wrong path. It's taken us down the wrong direction. If you pursue anything or anyone else, Your joy will be elusive or it will be diminished. It will lessen or you won't be able to grab a hold of it. But if you follow the Lord, the joy will naturally come in your life. So the Apostle Paul could write a letter to the people in Philippi. It's called uh, the Epistle of St. Paul to the Philippians. And, and, and as you read that letter, it's filled with joy. He talks about joy and blessings and, and the, the joy of knowing Christ and serving him and walking with him. And when he wrote those words, he was sitting in a prison cell. He had been arrested and abused physically because of his stand for Christ but he had joy that bubbled over because he was pursuing Christ. And when you pursue Christ, no cross is too heavy. When you pursue Christ, no difficulty is too great. When you pursue Christ, the joy that he brings into your life is worth every sacrifice, every difficulty. You follow him. So trying to define your cross, this is the best I could come up with for now. I'll get smarter later, hopefully. My wife sure hopes so. (laughs) All right, here it is. Your cross is to be faithful to trust and follow Jesus. Living out the scriptures, loving and ministering to people as you love and serve Jesus Christ 
every day. That's your cross. It could be something big. It could be something little. It could be taking a little kid who was obnoxious and sinful and afraid to speak up and making him a preacher. I do got to tell you, the people who knew me before I was saved and before I became a pastor, they were shocked that God would end up calling me to be a pastor. And they said, had to be the hand of God. And God does masterful work in the hearts and lives of those who choose to follow him. My wife was a good girl. She was a nice girl. No one was surprised she ended up as a preacher's wife. They were just really surprised at who her husband happened to be. But your cross is to be faithful. Your cross is to trust and follow. Your cross is to pursue Jesus living out the scripture. Your cross is to love and minister to other people as you love and serve Jesus Christ himself. And your cross is to do it every day. You might get called to be a missionary in a difficult climate and a difficult challenge. We, sir, we help support, partner with some missionaries in Mexico called Leonard and Susie Smith. Leonard Smith's home and church are right down the road from one of the Mexican drug cartel's leaders. And he still gets up and he preaches Jesus Christ and he talks about the need to trust Christ and follow him. And Leonard said this when he was here at our church a few years ago. He said, the safest place to be, he lives right down the street from one of the Mexican cartel's leaders. And Leonard said, the safest place to be on planet earth is in the center of God's will. You go where God wants you to be that's the safest place to be. There was a missionary in Brazil, can't think of his name right off the top of my head. I know him, I've met him, I know some of his family, can't think of his name. But he was gunned down in church and it left him paralyzed. And then he went back to the field after that. And now God's given him a phenomenal ministry to handicap people in that country and in that city because he has endured so much for Christ and he still has a joyful attitude and a joyful outlook and he's serving and preaching Christ. And how could he do that? How could he go back after suffering so much? Because he took up his cross daily and followed Christ. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, and we can endure our cross for the joy that is set before us. Because someday, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your health issues, regardless of your financial constraints, regardless of the political climate where you live, regardless of whether you serve alone or in a crowd of people, regardless of whether you are supported by others or ridiculed by others, you be faithful to trust and follow Jesus, to live out the scriptures, loving and ministering to people as you love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ every single day of your life. See, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. Jesus defined it for us. 
He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants you to follow Him. And He wants you to look beyond the grind and difficulties of your daily life, this temporary cross and this time and place, and look to the joy that's set before you when you are with the Lord. Martin Luther said he tried to picture just two days in his life, this day and that day when he's with the Lord. And then he said he tries to live this day in a way that he'll be ready for that day. Uh, David Livingston, the famous missionary in Africa, said that he had uh, a philosophy that everything he considered, he thought, is this advancing the cause of Christ or hindering the cause of Christ? And if it wasn't advancing, he wouldn't pursue it. So let me tell you young people something. All you young people, pay attention here. You old people can pay attention too. But a lot of times people will say, well, what's wrong with it? They want to try something. Do Well, what's wrong with it? That's the wrong question to ask. The question is, what's right with it? How will this help me honor Christ? How will this help me serve Christ? What's right with it? And if you can't come up with something right with it, even if you don't know of anything wrong with it, just don't do it. If if you pursue things that you can't find anything wrong with and that's your only criteria, you're going to live to regret it. Now, some of you older people can say amen to that, right? We have lived to regret that. And so what's right with it? That's the criteria. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love and your grace your mercy that you give to us. We thank you that you have given us something to live for. You've given us skills to live with. You've given us your presence to live within us. And you've given us the opportunity to represent you on planet Earth. May we do it well. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. Well, you can't follow him unless you actually know him. And we'd love to show you from the word of God how you can trust and follow Jesus Christ. You can talk to just about anybody in here, ask them. And even if they're a visitor here, they can point you to somebody. And talk to somebody from God's word. See how you can trust and follow him. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.